I, I had to turn while we were singing uh, that last song where it says, you're never going to let me down. There is a chorus of children behind me. And I, I, all I heard was the kids singing right at that moment. And they were singing, you're never going to let me down. Isn't that great? I, I, it just reminds me how uh, I, I love the fact that our children, th this group, is singing with us and, and joining. And, and we get to do that together, this part of praise. And, and then, then we get to get rid of them. That's also good. Uh, <laughs> But I love the fact that we sit and our children are witnessing us as we're singing these praise songs, these worship songs, and, and loving God through those songs. So I'm so glad that they, they are part of that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you for this morning. We praise you, Lord, for uh, the opportunity to gather together. And, and Lord, in, in our gathering, we pray that... that uh, uh, it, it is evidence of our love, our devotion, our commitment to you. We ask, Lord, that you strengthen us now as we open your word uh, to bring us understanding. Father, to give us encouragement and definitely to challenge us. Lord, we want to be your people. We want to grow. And, Father, uh, to, to, to be able to, to uh, fulfill the purpose you laid upon the church. God, there's so much for us to do, and we give you praise, Lord, that you've given, given that for us. May you strengthen us in, in what we're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, Acts chapter 6, 7, and 8 are really connected together. Last week, I introduced ap, uh, this chapter 6 in, in verses 1 through 7. We went through that. Um, in, in chapters 6, 1 through 7, uh, there was a problem within the church, and it wasn't persecution outside the church. It wasn't that persecution. We've seen lots of that happening. But in chapter 6, we actually see problem arising within this great number of people that are gathering together in the name of Jesus. And, and the problem within was, was actually in their unity. So far, everything we've heard has been they were united because they had everything in common. That's the comment that we've heard. But, but at the beginning of this chapter, it, there, was, there was a certain group who were being neglected, it said. And it was, it was a group of widows, actually Hellenistic widows. Hellenistic widows were from outside. They were outsiders. They were not from Jerusalem, uh, probably because of their, their status, they're moving towards Jerusalem. They haven't, they, they didn't live their lives there. Their language is going to be different. Uh, a lot of their own customs are going to be from where they came from elsewhere. So they were, they were not your hometown widows. And so uh, inadvertently they were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And so the problem was, was raised to the apostles. And, and uh, uh, the apostles, in solving it, didn't create another problem. You know what I mean? Have you ever tried to face a problem and only created more trouble? That happens all the time. But, but they didn't do that. They realized that if, if, we, if we stop doing what we're doing to serve tables, then the gospel is not going to continue to be spread. And that was their responsibility. So they said, okay, choose for yourselves seven, 
Seven who, who are, uh, you know, who, who have a good reputation, who are full of the spirit and wisdom. And so seven men were chosen. They're listed in verse 5. And, and obviously from these seven, the, the problem is resolved because by verse 7, they're back to doing what they were supposed to be doing. You know, the gospel continues to be spread and they continue to grow. So problem solved. That was the simple part of, of one through six. But let me tell you what. The first two men who are mentioned in that verse five, Stephen and Philip, fill their stories in chapters six, chapter six, seven, and eight. Uh, today, we're going to go and, and look more about Stephen. That begins in verse six through uh, verse eight throughout the rest of six and chapter 7, and then Philip, there's a story of Philip that continues in chapter 8. Now, in the midst of all that, we're introduced to a guy named Saul, who's actually very significant in the New Testament. We're introduced to him as part of Stephen's story. So these are important chapters, and, and we're going to take some time. I will tell you that next week, I, I feel like today... I, I am laying groundwork on behalf of chapter 7, which Ty Zimmerman's going to preach next week. He's going to deal with the message that Stephen delivers in chapter 7. So here's what you, you know what you do for next week? Anybody? Pray for Ty. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so pray up Ty. Pray up Ty as he's, he's uh, uh, just immersing himself in this chapter 7 and, and bringing before you uh, the encouragement and, and man, the, the challenge that's laid out uh, within the scriptures. So let, let's read this passage. The story, again, is focused on Stephen. Chapter 6, we're going to read verses 8 through 14. So join me, if you would. 8 through 14. Oh, and before I read, I apologize. I did not realize in the past two weeks that I had been reading out of the NIV. How many of you noticed that? And, and wanted to correct me so bad. They were, Ronnie, Ronnie, I don't know what you're reading, but it's not what's up there. What, what I, I'll tell you what I do because of my bad eyesight. I, I actually print out the scripture so I could do that wonderful thing of enlarging. So that's why I always have it on a sheet. But what I did was I, I failed to click on to ESV and print it incorrectly, and I didn't catch it at all. So I apologize. Um, I, I should be on track with you today on ESV. So I didn't make any changes. It was just a glitch, and it was a Ronnie glitch. We're all used to those. So anyway, forgive me. Well, let's, let's proceed. Uh, beginning verse 8. Verse 8 says, And Stephen... Full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. 
For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in that council, that Sanhedrin, saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now, now listen, as we start verse 8, it really seems disconnected from what we just did last week. I mean, he was not an apostle. He was not an apostle. Matter of fact, Stephen was chosen to do what? Wait on tables. He was chosen as a servant leader, as we talked about last week. And, and what's he doing in verse 8? Well, he is acting out in power and, and signs and wonders. And, and he's obviously teaching as well. He's, he's acting out the things that what we've seen up to this point has been all apostles so far. All apostles. I mean, the healing and, and the preaching declaration of the, the gospel message, it's been all apostles. So I, I, I look at Stephen, I think, here's a significant individual we need to pay attention to. Because I do see a significance in the apostles. Anybody who spends three years with Jesus is pretty significant people, right? Anyone who has said that, that you are the foundation that's, that's laid to, to establish the church that we're all built upon, that's pretty significant. Stephen's also part of being built, but it's upon that foundation, as you and I are built upon the church. Stephen here is, is, is a, uh, an individual uh, who, who, who is, is coming to this, this church and now is doing amazing things on behalf of the kingdom. And I want us to, to specifically focus our attention in this passage on some things that said about Stephen. And throughout it says, he is full of things. He, he, he's full of things. And I want to I talk about what, what Stephen is full of. Several places. Let me, let me tell you, I'll lay out the outline for you again. But in, in, in verse 5, it says that Stephen is full of faith. Verse 8, it says that Stephen is full of grace. And, and throughout, it says that Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, these are significant things. And, and uh, in, in the way I look at what takes place in Stephen, he really flexes his muscle. He flexes, flexes his strengths. And I'm not talking about physically. I am talking about spiritually. It's in those things of faith and grace and Holy Spirit. So let's, let's focus our attention upon that. First of all, full of faith. Full of faith. Uh, it is said when he was selected that, that here's, here's Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. That was in, in verse 5. He was already recognized for that. Now, now, we don't know Stephen's story before this. We don't know his conversion story. We, we could absolutely assume that, that Stephen heard this message from the apostles' teaching which we've seen up to this point. Preaching in the, in the temple, uh, whether it was Peter or John or, or, or both, or, or whether the apostles, as they were teaching in the temple, uh, different individuals, or, uh, we, we just don't know his story. But we do know this about Stephen. He, he came to believe in Jesus. He came to believe that, that, oh yes, Jesus is that Messiah of God, and that he died and he, he rose again. And so through his faith, what did he do? Faith, he repented of his sinfulness. 
and, and he uh, was baptized, and, and, and he has now the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's his beginnings. Oh, that's our beginnings, right? That, the, the same beginnings as the beginnings we have. We come to believe, we have come to believe in Jesus, and through faith we've acted and made our relationship with Jesus. And, and through all that, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there, there's something very similar that, that we could say, Stephen, and, and that we have opportunity for. Um, let me ask you a question in this, thinking about full of, full of faith. Is there a dis- difference between having faith and being full of faith? I find it very fascinating, this word full, in context of Stephen. And he's full of faith. Is there a difference between having faith? We all come today, I would say we all are acting and living faith, right? Is there a difference in, in having faith and being full of faith? You know, we could go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 9. In, in those surrounding verses, uh, Paul is talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and how he uh, lays or, or gives to us gifts different kinds of gifts. In that, he talks about, oh, there's, there's the gift of discernment, gift of knowledge. In there also, in that specifically in verse 9, it says, there is this gift of faith. So is, is uh, Stephen, the question is, is Stephen, was he given a special portion of faith, you know, a gift of faith? You know, that, that's a possibility. But the truth is, faith is something that grows within every believer, when you have your beginnings in Jesus, here is an expectation. All of us should expect faith to grow. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Faith isn't something that is dormant within us, that we set aside. But faith is, is, is what grows in us as we grow in relationship with the God who saved us and, and the Savior who died for us. Faith is something that grows within us. We know that. Uh, an example would be uh, out of James, James chapter 1. There it says, because of trials, the testing, uh, because of trials, there's a testing of our faith. And he actually tells us, hey, we ought to rejoice about it because we are being stretched, we are growing through the testing of our faith. And, and so, in, in those circumstances, we have the opportunity to grow a faith. I mean, qualities start mounting up within us when we go through those difficulties. So we know faith does grow. Now, Stephen exhibited his, his faith. He obviously was already involved in doing things with his faith because it was something that they were able to notice. They were supposed to look for uh, someone who is full of, of, of wisdom in the Spirit and then when he was identified, well, here's a, here is Stephen who is full of faith. So it was something to be identified. And again, we don't know up to this point exactly what all that was. He was faithful in, in obviously dealing with, with the issue the church was having. But in verse 8, what's he doing? He is actively uh, taking the gospel to the lost actively taking the gospel to the lost. And what does it involve? It involves signs and wonders, and it involves him teaching that gospel. And even to the point of defending the gospel, giving a defense for what he's saying. There's faith working in Stephen. Uh, Let me ask you before we move on to the next one, are you actively using your faith? Uh, That... I. 
that's how faith grows within us. That's how we might get ourselves to that point of being full of grace, where I mean full of faith, is when we continuously act on our faith, not something that we set aside. This morning, this morning, coming together and worshiping together is evidence of your faith. You are here because you're trusting the fact that what we're doing is worshiping God. But there's other things. What about during the week? How is faith active in your prayer life? How is faith active in your prayer life? Think about it. You know, what time have you spent in this past week in prayer? And, and how, is that, how has faith been reflected in that? Or, or in opening the scriptures, how has faith been active in, in what you've done with the scriptures throughout this week? Maybe, maybe it's in reading it, but also in applying it. Where have you applied scripture and, and, and put it to work in your life? And, uh, applied it. How is, how is faith affecting your conversations during the week? During the week? Uh, amongst each other? Uh, the encouragement and, and, and challenging each other. Uh, has, has there been that part? Has faith been active in your conversations with each other? Or uh, has your faith been part of a conversation with an unbeliever? You know, challenging, maybe encouraging, or maybe just absolutely sharing the story of the gospel with someone else. Has your faith been active in that way? The second. So full... He was full of faith, full of grace. And that's verse 8. He was full of grace and power. But let's focus on that grace. Stephen is, a, of course, a product of God's grace, as you and I are. We, we know we're a product of grace. Uh, grace is something that we can't get. We don't muster it up within ourselves at all. It is absolutely, that's why it's called grace. It is something absolutely given to us by God. Something that we have received. We are dependent on God for our salvation. And that's his grace. Isn't God's grace wonderful? His patience, his mercy, and his grace. And we see it all come together in that message of Jesus. Now let me ask you the same question. Is there a difference in having that grace? And as, as Stephen was called, have being full of that grace. Is there a difference in that? I think we could come to that same conclusion. Yes, there, there is a difference. We have the beginnings in grace, and grace is something that comes and covers us and, and brings us to forgiveness. But, but something that I think is real significant for us to understand, but grace isn't something that we just, oh, embrace and hold on to, and okay, we're saved. But grace is something that works within us, and then is to work outside of us. It, it, it begins to work in us. I mean, we talk about changing, being transformed. That's all about God's grace. And we become changed to become his people. And that grace becomes evident to those around us. So it is a, you know, in part we're a recipient of grace, but we're also a channel for that grace to be declared to others. I, and I have to say, Absolutely, if you're thinking, well, what's the difference between faith and grace? Well, there is a difference between faith and grace, but they are so intimately connected, aren't they? It is it's because the activity of our faith that we receive God's grace. I mean, that, that action of our faith, that repentance, that, that wanting, desiring Jesus is what connects us and brings that grace into our lives, right? 
Absolutely. So when we talk about, we could go back and say many of the same things I've said. That it, it was there that that Stephen acted. It, it says that that he did uh, the signs and wonders, or he performed signs and wonders uh, amongst those who were unbelievers. And what we've said that before is what that absolutely does is call or catch the attention of unbelievers so that they're listening. It gave Stephen opportunity to, to, to talk about the gospel. And, and we know not just the signs and wonders, but he had this, this great opportunity to declare that gospel message. And, and we know that because uh, uh, there, were, there were those who stood up and challenged the very things that he was saying. Stephen acted on grace as he engaged with people. And, and we see that. So how is it that we approach people? The people that he was engaging with were Hellenistic Jews. Again, they were the Jews who, who actually were raised or spent most of their lives in other directions. Matter of fact, it names it in, in that, uh, what verse is it? Uh, verse 9. Uh, they, they were... They belonged to a synagogue of freedmen. Let me, let me address that. They, they were Jews at one time who were in slavery that had been set free. And so there is a synagogue, a place of prayer, and a place actually for a community of people to meet together for prayer or for discussions and things like that. And so this synagogue, within this synagogue, they were made up of Cyrenians and Alexandrians and, and those of Cilicia and Asia. They, they rose up and disputed with, with Stephen. There was, there was real tension. And, and I think it's important, when we think about Stephen acting in grace, he was not looking for a fight. Stephen was not looking for a fight. He didn't see people as an enemy, and I'm going to go and tell them the truth and, and let them have it kind of thing, kind of attitude. That, that, that is not, see, grace, there's something about grace, God's grace working within us. And matter of fact, God's attitude towards us in our sinfulness is his desire is that we repent. His desire, is what, his desire was revealed absolutely in Jesus by sending Jesus into this world. It was revealing to us his great love. I believe that's the same attitude in action that we deliver the gospel message to those around us. It is in that area of compassion and love for them. And Stephen was acting graciously as he declared the message. But hey, they raised uh, uh, a challenge before him. What was the threat of, of the message of Stephen? What, why is it so threatening to them? I think we kind of addressed this before, but let me, let me say this again. This new faith, this new covenant is a threat to them. It's a threat to the temple that they loved and revered so much. It's a threat to Moses and his laws. How so? Well, now the Holy Spirit, God's dwelling is where? It's not within that temple. The temple loses its significance. And absolutely, did someone say it's us? His Holy Spirit is indwelling us. Matter of fact, when you all are gone, I don't even like to call this the sanctuary. It has never been sanctified. We haven't done any holy water or anything like there. And, and that wouldn't make any difference anyway because God doesn't work like that anymore. It's not within the dwelling of buildings. 
And so this frustrated them. And then also that idea within Moses' laws, all those sacrifices that, that needs to be committed, you know, for our redemption, we know we need for our cleansing. Well, in the gospel message, we have one perfect sacrifice. No more animals need to be killed except for steaks and hamburgers, right? No more animals need to be killed for the sake of my salvation and my forgiveness. It, it doesn't need to be committed anymore. And there's a real problem. It is threatening to, to everything that they believe. Do you see that? It, it had to be difficult. But here's what, here's what uh, Stephen is doing. He said he, there was this power in the wisdom. Actually, the Holy Spirit is working in within that wisdom. So what was he doing? I, I believe absolutely he was revealing. He said, let's go back and look at the Scriptures. Let's see what it says in the Scriptures. How the Scriptures identifies clearly what God is going to be doing and the work that's coming through the Messiah. And he, and he revealed it to them, and, and they were unable to withstand the wisdom that, that Stephen was revealing. That, and put them in a, a tough place. So much so that, that they began to raise up some false witnesses who were saying, oh, he's blaspheming the temple, and he's blaspheming Moses. And, and he, they, they, brought, they brought him back, or brought him together to be brought before the, the Sanhedrin, and they brought false witnesses against him there, too. Sounds real familiar, right? We've seen this before, this whole scenario before when they did this to Jesus. We, we, can't, we can't argue, we can't defend uh, the things that he's saying, and, and yet... Uh, we want to get rid of him. <laughs> Ultimately, he is defending the faith. What's interesting, he, he is acting absolutely graciously, not in the means of attack or anything, but he does stand with strength and truth to defend the gospel. And it's worth defending. And, and it needs to be defended in that, that sense of, of grace. And, and absolutely, Stephen was full of grace. We are to act in the same way. When we talk about sharing the gospel, it is to be done graciously. It is not to be done in confrontation or the attitude, you know, I'm going to twist your arm until you say yes. <laughs> it, is, it is to be done in, in the love of Christ. And, and, and knowing that everyone needs to know that that uh, message of Jesus, everybody needs to know. Finally, full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Now we know the, the Holy, Holy Spirit is evident in the power of the signs and wonders. Matter of fact, it says uh, that, that Stephen was full of grace and power as he did the signs and wonders. The Holy Spirit is, is, is that power of God working within him in verse 8. He also, is. it was evident in verse 10 where it said he, he spoke in wisdom uh, along with the Spirit. The Spirit was working with him and in the very words he was speaking. Now the Holy Spirit is a gift that we each of us have, have received through Christ. And it's through our repentance and our baptism and our beginnings as well. We have his indwelling. We have the Holy Spirit's indwelling. Let me ask the question one more time. Is there a difference in having the gift of the Holy Spirit and being full of the Holy Spirit? 
Is there a difference in, in having or receiving the Holy Spirit and being full of the Holy Spirit? And again, I say yes. There is a difference in that. There is a difference in that. Now, earlier, some would say that the apostles, in laying on their hands, laying their hands on them and, and praying over them, that was the imparting of the Holy Spirit. But the fact is, is that Stephen came uh, already full of the Holy Spirit in verse 5 before they did that. So, so what is taking place in, in Stephen's life? That, well, there's a fullness of the Holy Spirit. Is that just imparted to specific people? Or is that available to all who have received Jesus? I do believe it's to all of us. All, matter of fact, all these things. The, the fullness of faith. Uh, the fullness of his grace. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. Ought to be working with the within each one of us. Uh, matter of fact, uh, there, there's a passage of Scripture that says that we ought to fill our lives with the Holy Spirit or be full of the Spirit. Uh, Paul tells them in Ephesians 5 and verse 18. That's the specific verse. Here, here's my encouragement for this morning. We could go really long this morning, and I could dive in Ephesians chapter 5. But with this idea about what he calls us to, read Ephesians 5. Matter of fact, the whole book of Ephesians, the beginning part just really unloads and says, this is the salvation that you received. Here it is. Here's what it looks like. Here's who you are. And in, in the beginning of uh, chapter 5, it says, therefore, be imitators of God. And, and throughout the next part, he goes in and says, don't be involved in the things of sinfulness. Don't be involved in the things of this world, the, the, the evil things and uh, sexual immorality and debauchery, crude, joking. Don't, don't be involved in those things. That's where we see the tie in verse 18. It says, you know, don't be filled with wine because that's debauchery. Instead, be full of the Spirit. That's what he's telling the, the Ephesians. He said, hey, listen, you be full of the Spirit. Here, here. Here's the idea. We've talked about this all the time. It is about growing. It is about growing as, as believers and growing as followers in Jesus Christ. Grow in your faith. Hey, grow in the grace that he's given you. And may, may more and more as you grow in that grace, it's seen working outside of you. And grow in that Holy Spirit. Grow in the very Spirit of God, God dwelling in you. That means... If we go back to Ephesians 5, say, don't be involved in sinfulness. How, you want to wreck all the fullness? Then continue to work in sin. Continue to dabble in the things that hinder and, and entangle us. Continue to participate in those things. If you do, there is no fullness of faith, no fullness of grace, no fullness of the Holy Spirit working in you. But, but if your attitude and action is... Is, is to pursue faith and grace and that Holy Spirit, which I believe has everything to do about us being together. Let, let me continue just, uh, just, just for fun. <laughs> it's not for fun, but for your instruction. Listen, in verse 18, and don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, then immediately connecting to that sentence is addressing one another in psalms and hymns it is you know part of the part of being filled with these things is what we do together it's what we do together addressing one another in psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to, to the lord with your heart 
It, it is sharing the scripture together. Uh, diving into the scripture together and sharing those things. But it's also about music. How important is Eric? <laughs> I, Eric, Eric has a significant position here. When, when we read this and we think about the songs that we sing has something to do with encouraging us and building in us to fullness. Part of our singing. So, so here's what our instruction to Eric would definitely be this. Eric, we need you to really pay attention to the words that we're singing. We don't need anything that's frivolous. We, we need these kinds of songs that give instruction and encouragement for what God has done for us. And, and so encourage Eric. Hey, encourage him, would you today? Just, just say, hey, keep doing it. We don't need someone to entertain us. We didn't, Eric is not here, and he knows that. I praise God for it. He is not here to entertain us. He is to lead us in singing. And, and, and that has, just from this verse, I think that has absolute connection with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Part. Because it also leads on to the rest of chapter 5 talking about our connection together. And living, living that faith, living that grace, living the Holy Spirit and doing it together. It, it, it goes on and talks about husbands and wives, talks about our relationships. It talks about a whole community of believers loving one another, caring for one another, encouraging, building each other up. That's where the Holy Spirit is, 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 is fed and is encouraged. So I absolutely believe that the church ought to be meeting together face to face, whether Sunday or during the week when you get together with brothers and sisters in Christ. How important is that? That, that is a big part of us connecting and, and belonging together. Well, I didn't get into chapter 5, but I do encourage you in, in chapter 5, Ephesians, read through that again. And, and, and listen to that, thinking about so many other passages I could, I could share concerning growth, concerning the, the walk and the, and the faith of every believer. Where to grow? <laughs> the emphasis this morning, we look at Stephen. Let's look back at Stephen and think, wow, wow, God is really using Stephen. But the truth is we need a lot of Stephens in church. We, we need a lot of people in the church. And over history, we've needed people who are full of faith, full of grace, full of the Holy Spirit. And look at the world and the society around us. And, and, and I know we're looking, we're saying, man, we're going a bad direction. How much do we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of faith, fullness of grace to be working in us? Not just when we get together, oh, here's the fullness and then when we leave, let's just go back to mediocre. <laughs> it's, it's to take us with us wherever we go. I do believe the engaging, the engaging with people is going to help us uh, to, to, to find and understand and even realize the fullness working within us. So many times I would say, when do I realize some, some part of the Holy Spirit is working in me? It's when I'm engaging someone in conversation, especially those who are lost and, and have the opportunity to share faith. There, there's times I, I don't know where I came up with some of the ideas that's come out of my mouth. I will blame God all day long. It's from the scriptures. 
is from the Spirit working within me. It, it's available to all of us. The church need more, needs more Stevens. The church needs more uh, of faith, of grace, and Holy Spirit. And we don't attain that without growing in each of those areas. Growing in those areas. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, we are encouraged today. Look at a man like Stephen who, who uh, just, here, here's, here's a guy who steps up in society, in difficult circumstances, even within difficult circumstances, to speak the gospel, to defend the gospel, and, and to show such boldness, and to show such boldness uh, in, in, in love and a desire for others to come to know you. We ask, Lord, that you challenge us today, just looking at Stephen, and, and ask, Father, that, that uh, we're looking, intently looking, and, and considering our own lives. How are we growing in those things of faith, grace, and the Holy Spirit? God, you are powerful. You are working all things within us, and, and obviously it begins with prayer. So strengthen us, Father, in these things. Lead us, guide us. Father, to, to strengthen one another, to speak to each other, uh, to lead us into just growing and, and being impassioned of what you've done for us. We love you, God, and, and we just praise you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.